For those of you that don't know, my name is Javon Johnson. I am a chaplain in the United States Navy. I'm stationed over at um, Camp Pendleton, working with the 1st Marine Division, 111. And today we are talking about living in the will of God. And before we, before we go in there, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 22, all the whole chapter. And in that chapter, you have the king of Israel. He's looking down at his kingdom and he's saying, you know what, that, that, that king, them people over there, the Armenians, those people, they, they don't listen to us. They don't do what they're supposed to do. We need to go over to that kingdom and take our kingdom back. And so as, as he's deciding this, he goes to the king of um, Judah and he says to Jehoshaphat, he says, Jehoshaphat, should we go and attack Romai Gilead? And he says to him, hey, king, as long as you live, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. My people are your people. My horses are your horses. We're going to do this thing. But then he says this to him. He says, first seek the counsel of the Lord. He said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But at first, I need you to seek the counsel of the Lord. And so the king does this. Um, excuse me. But here, here's the thing. Seeking the counsel of the Lord is not about praying for a specific outcome. Seeking the counsel of the Lord is not about praying for a specific outcome. And I know as we are Christians, if you're a Christian um, and you grew up in Christianity, you kind of seek the counsel of the Lord. And you say to yourself, you know, but before I make a big decision, before I do something that's going to, you know, be a, something that's different in my life, I'm going to pray to God. But a lot of times we do that so that we can have the narrative that we want and not the narrative that God wants from us. And so a lot of times, I, you know, I used to be a youth minister, and I would ask people, hey, you want to help with the youth group or whatever? And they would say to me, you know what, um, let me pray about that. <laughs> what they really mean is, no, I don't want to do it, but I want to say to you that I, I want to pray about it. And so I think that sometimes we think seeking the counsel of the Lord is like, let me think about it, let me talk about it, let me go through my own process, my own head, and then based off of what I feel, that's what I'm going to do, and that's the counsel of the Lord. And I think the king of Israel is thinking the same thing. So what he does is this. He, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and he asked them, shall I go to war against Roma Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answer, for the Lord will give it into your hands. Now, something fishy about this. He has 400 people, put them in a the room, and they all agree. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't even agree what we're going to have for dinner with my wife, <laughs> let alone that I got 400 people in a room where they all agree on one specific thing. I bet if we ask everybody in this, in this room, hey, what should the church do? What should we do? What should be the thing that this church should be known for? We would all come up with 100 different things. And so I find it interesting that all these people are saying the exact same thing. And so I can see Jehoshaphat kind of looking back and being like, hmm, okay, <laughs> this is kind of interesting. So he looks at the king and said, hey, king, is there, is there anybody else that you can encounter, that you can ask about the counsel of the Lord? And so the king of Israel answered him, Jehoshaphat, he said, there is still one prophet to whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. <laughs> he is Micaiah, the son of Ilion. And so he, he, he kind of knows. It's kind of interesting that he, he gets all the prophets together. And he puts them in a position and says, hey, these are the prophets I want in the room at my prophet party. Right? I want these people so they can say exactly what I want them to say and tell me back the news that I want to hear. 
And I find it interesting we can make fun of him, but don't we do that sometimes? When we're seeking the counsel of others and, we, and we're looking at people and, so, and, and maybe somebody was like, hey, you know, should I be in a relationship with this person or that person? And a whole bunch of people telling you, yeah, you guys look cute together. Ooh, you look great. Oh, you can make cute babies, all that stuff. But in actuality, they're not good for you. You got the one or two people telling you, hey, don't do it. That's not what God wants you to do. It's not good for you. This person is not a good person for you. Yet we go through life and we get married to them or we don't even get married to them or we do things that we shouldn't be doing in that relationship. And we end up worse than where we were before. Or better yet, if, 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 if you have a position or a opportunity to get a better job, to do better in your work, and everybody at work saying, yeah, you'll be great, you'll be an awesome leader, I will work under you, and then, but you understand that if you do this, you're going to lose time with your family and do less things with them. And so a whole bunch of people are telling you, yeah, it's great, you're going to make more money. Maybe if your spouse is saying, yeah, it's great, you're going to make more money. But one person comes and says, you know what, if you do this, then you're going to spend less time doing this, and it's going to be bad for you. I think sometimes we're just like the king of Israel, where we want a narrative on our life. But sometimes we take God out of our decisions because we want to control the narrative ourselves. Sometimes we take God out of our decisions because we want to control the narrative ourselves. Now, I went to a small Christian college in Portland, Oregon, and there's this young lady. <laughs> um, she was our, she's our friend, mine and Leah's friend. She's our friend. And um, she just makes some interesting decisions. And one day she got invited or got asked out on a date. This guy, random guy at his place, he's like, hey, you want to come with me to a Portland Trailblazer game? So she's like, okay, cool. So she has a car, he has a car. So she comes up to us and asks, hey, should I go in the car with him, him take me to the game, and then I, him bring me back? And we were like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't go to, because we already know what's going to happen. He's going to pretend that something, oh, I forgot something in my house. You want to come up? And I'll, it's just going to get bad, right? Well, lo and behold, she asked other people the same question. They were like, oh, no, that's just what you're supposed to do. It's a date. You know, a guy's supposed to pick up the girl and take her. But see, she decided that she was going to get in the car with this man. Why did she decide that? Because she already had it in her head that that's what she wanted to do. She just needed seven to eight, nine, ten people telling her what she already was expecting to do. And she just ignored the advice of myself and, and Leah because she already had a preconceived no, notion in her head that this is what she wanted to do. So sometimes we take God out of our decisions because we want to control the narrative. And so she goes to the game to have a great time. And of course, as the script goes, he says, oh, I forgot something in my house. You want to come up? Then he tries to take advantage of her. And luckily for her, she was a, she, he was a good guy. And he was like, when she said no, he, he was like, okay. He took her home. He was kind of upset about it. But at the same time, he let her go. And then she comes back. She tells her the story. Like, hey, we told you that, <laughs> that this was not a good idea for you. We told you this. And so you have Micah, Micah uh, excuse me, the king of Judah telling the king of Israel, hey, you need to find another person to tell us whether or not we should go to war with Romai Gilead. And so, obviously, uh, he comes, he comes goes, he sends this messenger. He says, messenger, I need you to go and get Micaiah. Tell him to come here so I can hear what he has to say. And so Micaiah comes, and as he's coming up there, he has this, pro like for real, like it's literally a prophet party. A whole bunch of people out there saying, oh, Lord, King, live forever, always, you're great. They're making weapons and saying, you're going to take this, and you're going to gouge the Armenians. You're going to do great, do amazing things. So Micaiah rolls up on this, and he sees this thing. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 12 to 13. All the other prophets were praying and prophesying the same thing. 
Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hands. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, the other prophets without exception are preaching success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. So, so, so he, he's, he's saying, look, man, look, everybody agree. Don't, don't cause any trouble. Don't cause any pain. Don't, don't say anything that's going to make him feel bad. Just do what everybody else is doing so we can move on. We can go sack the city and do what God has called us to do. But Micaiah said this, as surely as the Lord lives, I can only tell him what the Lord tells me. And so he gets up to the thing and, and the king of Israel looks at him and he's like, Micaiah, should I go to war with Romoth Gilead? Micaiah was like, oh, Lord, king, live forever. You're amazing. You should go and you're going to be victorious. <laughs> so he, 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 says, he says what everybody else was saying. And the king looks at him and says, you know what? I, I told you to be honest with me. Tell me exactly what God says. I'm, I'm not going to get upset. A lot of times I feel that we're in this situation as well, where, where we, we have a situation where there's a, a decision that we have to make. And we 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 look at ourselves and we say, is it your will be done, God, or is it my will be done? And a lot of times we pick my will to be done. So Micaiah looks at him and says, I saw all of Israel scattered on the hills like a sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no masters. Let them go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesied anything good about me, but only the bad? He's like, that's all he did is prophesy bad things about me. But I want us to kind of reinvent our minds or look at it in a different way that God is not prophesying bad things in your life when he tells you things. God is protecting you for something that will be bad for you and preparing you for something that will be good for you. God is protecting you from something that will be bad for you and preparing you for something that will be good for you. But we don't see it like that because we're only living in the moment. We're only living in this time. We're like, well, if I get this and get this, then this is going to happen. But God looks at it and says, well, if you do get that, I can see everything and this, 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 and this is going to happen, and it's going to be bad for you. So I really need this to happen in your life so that it can turn out well for you so you can eventually get the outcome that you were desiring anyway. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Sometimes the will of God does not coincide with our will. I went to a small Christian college called Cascade College, and uh, when I was there, my major was going to be education. I was going to be an education major, but they told me in order to stay in the program, you have to have a 3.0, and I wasn't feeling that. So I was like, ah, I really want to have a 3.0. I was kind of a slacker. I was running track. I was doing, um, you know, working two jobs. I was going to school. I like to play video games, so I really wasn't feeling the 3.0 thing. So I, I just didn't want to do it. So I went to my counselor. I said, look, what, what major can I, can I do that's kind of similar to that because I don't really want to maintain this 3.0. He was like, well, you can do youth ministry. I'm like, youth ministry? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I grew up in the church. I didn't grow up in the church at all, so I didn't know anything about youth ministry. He explains it to me that you get to tell kids about Jesus and do all that. I'm like, that sounds cool. So I decided to be a youth minister, right? And so I graduated with a degree, and you know what job I got after I got my youth ministry degree? 
working at Famous Footwear <laughs> at a shoe store. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I, I get the degree and I'm thinking to myself, you know, God is God is in control. So I'm applying for jobs, doing all these things. Well, after that, we start we have a kid. And so we had to move to Coos Bay, Oregon, because it was better for us to do that. And um, which is where my wife is from. And then I get there and then I'm working at a call center. Sprint Nextel, that's what I'm doing. I'm working at a call center answering calls from people who are upset about their bills, <laughs> right? And so I'm thinking to myself, like, this is not youth ministry. Like, what did I get a degree for if I'm not gonna do youth ministry? So I, I go back and then I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, man, I need to find a good job. And then eventually I got a job as a police officer for, for I only did it for about six months because I wasn't very good as a police officer. Because <laughs> I was just, I guess I was a little bit too nice, I guess, or whatever. But I, I wasn't as good as I needed to be as a police officer, and so that didn't last long. Well, at the same time, I was helping at this church, right? And I was doing the junior high ministry. And when I, when, when I got the job as a police officer, the youth minister left. At the same time, I was like, you know what, I'm done being a cop. But the parents loved me. The kids loved me. I was like, hey, this must be God's will. You know, he's leaving. I'm about to get done with this. That made my decision to quit the police um, job a little bit easier. So I was like, I'm done. I'm going to do this. And, and we applied for the job. And this is my wife's home congregation. And they told us, no. <laughs> you can't be the youth minister. But in my mind, I was like, man, God told me no. I thought, I thought that was your will for my life, God, like, for real. Like, I got this youth ministry degree. I, I, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm doing all these things, and, and you're telling me no? And so I got upset at God, and I joined the Navy. <laughs> I was like, well, fine. <laughs> if you don't want to give me what I want, I'm just not going to do anything that has to do with youth ministry or church or anything. And everything worked out the way it's supposed to work out, because if I didn't join the Navy, I wouldn't have my master's degree paid for, because there's no way in the world I was paying for the master's degree, and I wouldn't be able to use that master's degree to become a chaplain in the Navy as I am right now. You see, and when I was in that situation, I was like, God, make your will be done. Wait, this is the will that I want you to do. That, that must be your will. It's not happening. Oh, my goodness. See, we tend to force our will to be God's will. We tend to force our will to be God's will. And so that's what we get in trouble because God in his infinite wisdom looks at our lives and say, you know what? By far, he said to me, Javon, I know you want to be a youth minister. I know you have a youth ministry degree, but guess what? You're not ready. You're not ready for that. You're not ready to be in a position to be in charge of a youth ministry. And so no, the answer to your question is no, that is not my will for your life. So the king of Israel, he hears the situation from Malachi. Malachi tells him, hey, look, check this out. If you go to war with Ramoth Gilead, you will die. Plain and simple. If you go to war with him, you're going to die. Sorry, hate to bust your bubble. This is what the king of Israel said. The king of Israel then ordered, take Menachiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city of jo um, and, the, and to Joaz the king's son, and say this. This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. How arrogant. Wait, so, so you're telling me that you had this profit party where you purposely had 400 people that's going to agree with you and what you say and left the guy out that you knew would tell you the truth. And then when you bring him in, he tells you the truth. He said, if you do this, you're going to die. And then you put him in jail and, and then have enough audacity to say, I'm going to come back safely. So when I come back, you can let him out of prison. 
So the king had a plan. This is the king's plan. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the, uh, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise. <laughs> But you wear royal robes. <laughs> so the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. So, so I, I can only be just imagine Jehoshaphat thinking like, wait, what? You're going to make me to be the king? <laughs> like this, this is kind of messed up, you know, because the prophet said you, you're going to die. So if, they, if I look like you, then I'm probably going to die. Right. And so he, 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 they go into battle and all this stuff is happening right on. And the Armenians look, they say, look, here's our plan. Our only plan is to kill the king of Israel. That's it. That's the only thing that we're supposed to do is kill the king of Israel. That's our only plan. So they're going into battle. They got the chariots coming. They find the king's chariot and they, they start blasting it. And Jehoshaphat, he gets scared. Right. He's like, ah. And they like, look, and they're like, wait a minute. That's not the king of Israel, that's the king of Judah. We don't even want him. Where is the king of Israel? They just let him go, let him alone. And this is what it says after that. It says, but someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. He told, the, he, he told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long, the battle raged and the king was propped up in the chariot facing the Armenians. The blood from his wound went to the floor of the chariot that evening and he died. <laughs> he tried to control the narrative. He tried to go against the will of God. And God had already told him, like, if you do, he didn't say that if you're just going to die. He said, if you go to war with these people, you will die. And I wonder how many times in our life that someone comes to you and say, if you do this, this is going to happen to you. And we just ignore their advice. We just ignore God's will in our life because we don't want that narrative that they are telling us. And so I, 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 I hope as we come through to our life that we first seek the counsel of the Lord in everything that we do. And so here, here's, here's some ways that we can do it. The first way for us to seek the counsel of the Lord is that we need to learn how to hear the voice of God. Like we really need to learn this. And how is God's voice heard? Does anybody know how God's voice is heard? Through a prayer? Through scriptures? Through his word? Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1 through 2, it says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer sacrifice for fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasting your heart, but utter to utter anything before God. It says, go near to listen. And I think our first instinct when we're going to pray to God, we go and we start talking. And we start praying to God. It says, go near to listen to God because God can only be heard in a whisper. We have to put ourselves in a position to hear the voice of God and get rid of all the noise and all the distractions that's happening outside, all the people that's trying to give us counsel and just listen to the voice of God. The second thing that we need to do is that we need to read our Bibles. I think a lot of times what our Bible study consists of, coming to church and hearing the preacher tell us what the Bible means, and then that's about it. But here's what the Bible t says about it says it says all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture is God breathed. 
That means it's the way that God communicates to his people. And so if you never, ever hear how God communicates to you, how are you able to hear his voice? It's an impossibility. And then the third thing that we need to do is we need to realize that we have access to the Holy Spirit. This is the most important part of this of this message. It says the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. How, 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 do we, how do we know if God is talking to us? How do we know what God is trying to communicate to us if we're not in tune with the Spirit of God? How do we know what God is trying to communicate to us if we don't know what God is saying? How do we know if God is trying to tell us something if we don't go to, in prayer and listen to what God has to tell us? It's real easy for us to put ourselves in a position and say, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do everything. I'm me, 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 all about me. Everything's about me. What do I think? What do my friends think? What do... It's very simple. It's very simple. Listen to God. Do less talking. Spend more time in the word of God and be in tuned with the spirit of God. And then God will... De- guide your steps, and then everything that will happen in your life will be for your good. And even though in the middle, middle of it or in the midst of it, it seems like it's, like it's bad. It seems like something that you don't want to have happen. It's not what you have willed in your own mind, what your, how your life should turn out. You need to trust in God and in the process that God has your best interests in mind. That God works out all things for the good for those who love him. This is very important for us as Christians because we can get really caught up in America and we can get really caught up in the world and we're really caught up in our own ideas and our own way of thinking. And that just leads to more debt. That just leads to marriage problems. That just leads to a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't even ask for. A whole bunch of problems on Facebook and Twitter. A whole bunch of nonsense. Because we're listening to the will of the world or listening to our own will and not being in tune with the will of God. And so I want to encourage us to go to God's house and listen. I want to encourage us to read our Bibles more and listen to the word of God. I want us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit because I know that's the only way that your life will have any meaning whatsoever. Now, I don't know if you guys have been watching the news. You know, you have, I think her name is Kate Spade. And then another guy that's on, on a television. Um, I forgot his name as well. Anthony Bourdain. Rich people. Whole bunch of money, whole bunch of success. People know who they are. But for whatever reason, they decided that they, it was, they needed to take their lives. We don't know what it is. And I don't want to, you know... This touches home to me because, unfortunately, I, you know, I lost a, a, a kid in, in, in one of my youth groups who, who, who committed suicide as well. But God wants what's best for you. God wants what's best for you. And we have to be in tuned with the will of God in order for that to happen. Let us not get caught up in the world. Let's not just get caught up in what we don't have or how we don't look. 
Let's not get caught up in all the craziness of this world. Let's just get caught up in listening to the words of God and being in tune with his spirit. Because I know that God is for us and he is not against us. I hope that you guys know that. So if there's anybody in this room right now who, who needs prayer or anything that you, uh, for, from the elders or myself, um, you can come right now. We have pray for you, put hands over you, and ask for God's healing. And if there's anybody in this room also who, who say to them, say, you know what, I want to live in the will of God. I want to do what God has called me to do, but I, I haven't been baptized yet. There's no time like the present that you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. If there's anything that you would like for us to pray for you about, please come forward now as we stand. And as we say...